It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, you could open to Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, if you'd like to, but also open to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we've been walking through, again, just a series talking about this idea of soul drift, and we really haven't got into the drifting part yet. We've been kind of talking about the standard by which we are called to live as believers. And over the last several weeks, uh, we've been talking through the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and looking again at this idea of what are we called to as believers. Uh, the fact that we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And just again, for the sake of repetition, for the sake of our kind of rehearsal, a little bit of review, uh, we've been talking about this idea of an ever-expanding and exclusive devotion to God. In other words, what God is calling us to is an exclusive relationship with Him. In other words, we are not to have multiple lovers. We are to have one love in our life, which is Him. And that exclusive relationship should be ever-expanding, ever-growing, ever-getting richer and better, and it should be consuming more and more of our lives. And as we were walking through the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, we were looking at some key strategic areas of which we are called to love the Lord our God. And so this is from the last session, but just for the sake of review, uh, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. In other words, our inner, in our inner person. So we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions, our desires, our intentions. We're, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. In other words, all that we are. So we're talking about our whole self, the physical and the inner being. And we're to love God with all of our might or all of our strength, which is not just your muscles. You're to love God with, with everything that you have. Uh, we're talking about your time. We're talking about your ability, your talent, your possessions, your money. All, all of that must be given unto the Lord Jesus Christ. So what would it look like in your life if you had an exclusive relationship with the God of the universe? What would it look like if you had an ever-expanding devotion to the God of the universe? That this thing was just getting bigger and better and richer and it was consuming more of your life and every aspect of your life was given unto Jesus Christ. That is what we are called to. And in the next coming weeks and sessions, we'll be talking about the fact that we as believers have this propensity to drift from that and set up idols and altars in our lives that should not be there. So really excited about where we're heading. I just wanted to, I figure since we're kind of at the end of this semester, uh, it felt awkward just to like jump into a whole nother like and start going down this other path. I figured we might as well wrap up this semester uh, with one more beck and call to what we are called to. And then Theoretically, uh, next week we'll start talking about drifting. I want to talk about this idea of the preeminence of Christ. Uh, when you look at what we are called to, Paul makes a phenomenal declaration in the book of Colossians about the preeminence or the priority of Jesus in our life. And so almost as a way to kind of wrap up this idea of the Shema in a New Testament verbiage, I want to look at Paul's declaration in Colossians chapter 1. And let's just read it, and then I just kind of want to walk through a little bit of this uh, with you this morning. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, this is what Paul writes. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, 
both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven." What an incredible passage. Uh, Paul, in the middle of Colossians chapter 1, steps back and just talks about the grandeur of who Jesus is. Now, if you were following Daily Thunder in the spring, we we spent a whole season walking through the book of Colossians. And if you didn't join that study, I'd highly encourage you to go back. Uh, I had tons of resources, Bible study notes. In other words, helping people, let's study the book of Colossians together. So there were just tons of just fun resources to help you learn how to study the Bible through the book of Colossians as we were teaching through it. And so I'm I'm obviously not going to go deep in all of this. Uh, So if you want to go deeper in the whole Colossians thing, there's a whole bunch of resource stuff. But I want to give a highlight of what Paul is saying in Colossians chapter 1 because it helps us understand the so that he might have first place in everything. And so Paul, when when you look at the very beginning of verse 15, says, well, Jesus is God. And the statement he makes is that he is the image of the invisible God. And the word image there in the Greek, it gives this idea of an exact representation and revelation. The idea is like an imprint. And that when you look at the imprint, it is the exact imprint, the exact image of the thing that's imprinting it. And so what Paul is saying is that it's not that just Jesus looks like God, he is God. So ponder this. The reason why he can have first place in all things, is number one, Jesus himself is God, which is just a phenomenal idea. Uh, secondly, at the end of verse 15, it says that Jesus is the priority, or he is the focus. Paul says that he is the firstborn of all creation. Uh, that word firstborn doesn't mean firstborn in the sense of like, uh, for example, uh, do we have any firstborns in the room? Oh, praise the Lord for being a firstborn. Uh, like, uh, like I'm, I'm the firstborn in my family, uh, which means, biblically, I should have double the inheritance. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. Right? Like, there's, there, there are things that I, I'm supposed to get uh, as the firstborn. That's not this idea. Uh, this idea, biblically, is not meaning firstborn in the sense of secession or, uh, like, birth order. The word firstborn actually gives this idea of the priority of position, not the priority of origin. In other words, we're not, again, we're not talking about the, the order of being firstborn in the, like a series of children. We're talking about the priority of a position. It's this idea of the preeminence. Uh, it's the, uh, the focus. It's the heir. It's the, uh, that idea. For example, Esau was the firstborn physically, but Jacob was the firstborn in terms of the inheritance. That he got the blessing, he got the inheritance, and he would have been called the firstborn. He actually had the rights of the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn. And you can be like, well, there's a lot of people born before him. We're not talking birth order. We're talking priority. And so there's this idea then that he is the priority. He's the one that receives it all. He is the focus. 
In verse 16, number three, Paul says that Jesus is the creator himself. He says, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so if he is the creator, then he is the uncreated one that has created all things, and therefore he has the authority and power over all things that he has created. Is kind of the idea that Paul's getting at. Uh, fourth is this idea that Jesus is the sustainer. So in verse 17, Paul says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In, in other words, Jesus didn't merely create all things. He's also the goal and the focus of that creation. That, that he is the, that which sustains all of creation. He's that which holds it all together. I, I love what Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. He's talking about the reality of Christ. And, and listen to this. Paul writes, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Jesus, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, here's the whole point of the whole thing, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. The imagery is like this big funnel. And you just like you put all things in a funnel and it's all coming down to a singular point. What is the summary of all things? Jesus. What's the focus? Jesus. Well, what, what, is, what is to be my, the throb of my heart? Jesus. And it's like God is taking all things and all of creation and saying it has one focus. Well, what's that focus supposed to be? What sustains everything? What holds it all together? Jesus. Are you getting this? So as you're working through this list, we have Paul saying, hey, the reason he is to have first place in your life, the reason he is to have priority is, again, number one, he's, he is God. He is the priority. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. And lastly, he's the head. Paul says in verse 18 that he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, the word head is this idea of like the one in charge. It's the, the central. It's that which moves the rest of the body. It's the priority of the body. Uh, the beginning is this idea of like the first in a series. It's the leader. It's the originator is actually how you could translate it. The firstborn is, again, is that same word that was used prior. about again, not birth order. It's a priority. So it's like Paul is going overboard saying, Jesus is it, folks. Hey, he, he, is, he is it. Hey, he is God, and he's the creator, and he's the sustainer of all things, and he's the focus, and he's the head, and he's the, he's the big deal. Well, why is he saying all this stuff? Why is that even important for us to know? Paul says, so that. There's a reason for this. There is a clear purpose of why Paul is articulating the wonder and the glory of Jesus. Well, what is it? It is so that in everything, he, Jesus, might be preeminent. The word preeminent, if you don't use that word very often, uh, this, is another, this is how the New American Standard translates it. It's so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. The word preeminent means first. It's the priority, the superior position, that he is the big deal. Paul is saying, do you realize that Jesus is God? 
He's the head. He is the sustainer. He's the big deal. He should be the throb of your heart. Why? Because he's supposed to be first place. He's supposed to have that priority position in your life. And he deserves it. Why? Because he is the creator. Because he is God. Because he is the head. He deserves, he is worthy to have that position in your life. Does that make sense? I, I love what Paul says a little bit later in Colossians chapter 3. He says, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is to have that position where he is all. Is that true in your life? Is it true in your life that Jesus has the priority position? Is it true that he is first place? And again, I, I know in our culture it's really easy, especially we who grew up in the church, to be like, yes, he has first place in my life. Yeah, I go to church on Sundays, and, and you know, I, I know the memory verses, and I know when to stand up, and I know when to sit down, and, and I know the right attitudes, and, and, I, and I, I know that when I walk into church, I have that <laughs> smile, you know, and it doesn't matter how my life really is, I can fake it, and I'll just grit through my teeth, right? We, don't look at me that way. You've done this too. <laughs> Why? Because we want to look spiritual, and so we, we know how to fake it. We wear our Christian t-shirts, and, and we, we can fake spirituality, but that's not what Paul is saying. He's not asking if you go to church. He's not asking if you paid the preacher $50. He's not asking if you have perfect attendance. He's not asking if you know all the memory verses. He's not asking if, he's asking, is Jesus truly the priority of your life? Is he truly first place in your life? If you look at how you spend your money, if you look at how you spend your time, if you look at what you talk about, if you look at what your thoughts are, ruminate over throughout the day is jesus truly the priority does he have first place in your life here maybe is the question have we truly given jesus first place in every area of our lives uh, several sessions ago in this series i kind of gave a list of things that jesus is supposed to be and i just want to bring back that list because i think it's just a fresh reminder of the position that Jesus is to have in our life. So here's, here's the question. Is Jesus your number one focus? Is he your true delight? Is he your main drive? Is he your consuming passion? Is Jesus the beat of your heart and the light of your life? Is he the thoughts in your mind and the word upon your lips? Is he the apple of your eye and the center of your life? Is he your North Star, your supreme focus? Is he truly preeminent and first place in all things in your life? Maybe another way you could say this is we, we are called to a simple devotion to Jesus. Do you realize that our devotion to Jesus is actually rather simple? It's not easy, but it's simple. Why is it simple? Because it's only one thing. It really should be one thing. Him. Now, to keep it simple, you've got to fight. Because it's not easy to have the simplicity. Because there's so many good things that can easily distract us from the main thing. Is Jesus truly the main thing in your life? And do you have a simple devotion to him? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's talking to the Corinthian church, which is not healthy, <laughs> And they have some serious problems. But listen to what Paul says. 
He says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Now pause there. Do you realize that, again, he's talking about the exclusivity of relationship with God. He says, I, I, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I, I, I have literally betrothed you. I've, I've handed you over to Christ and Christ is to be your exclusive devotion. That just like sh the Shema is calling us to an exclusivity of relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, so too, Paul says, I, I have betrothed you. I have given you over to have relationship with one God Almighty. That there should be one passionate lover of your soul, God. And then he goes on and says this, But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Paul says, you know what I'm calling you to? I'm calling you to a, simp a simple and pure devotion to Jesus. Uh, the word simple there means singularity. It means single. A simplicity or a sincerity. Paul says, I've called you to a single devotion. I I'm calling you to a simple devotion. I'm calling you to a sincere devotion <clears throat> that is pure, that is marked by exclusivity, that's marked by purity, that you're not dabbling with the lovers of this world. You're not lost in idolatry and adultery with culture. Rather, you have given yourself fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm deeply concerned because in the midst of this exclusive relationship, I'm concerned that you're going to be led astray by the enemy just as Eve was led astray by the craftiness of the serpent. Do you know how hard it is to keep a simple devotion with Jesus? I mean, it is simple because it's just one thing. I mean, can you just stay focused on one thing? Can you just get consumed with one thing? Will you just be obsessed with one thing? And yet for some reason, we in our culture, uh, we, we love having more than one thing. And we want Jesus plus something. We want Jesus plus blessing. We want Jesus plus miracles. We want Jesus plus fill in the blank. Jesus plus my comfort. Jesus plus my happiness. Jesus plus ease. Jesus plus whatever. Is it possible that Jesus is just calling you to himself? And it's not Jesus plus anything. It's just Jesus. And what would happen if you begin to realize that if you had Jesus, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.3, you would indeed have everything that you need for life and godliness. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. That he is the fullness of blessing. He is the fullness of peace. He is the fullness of joy. He is everything that you need for life and godliness. So what do you need outside of Jesus? Nothing. And yet we love having everything outside of Jesus. And it's like our pursuit, if you actually look at how we spend our time and our money and our energy and our focus and our thinking, it's a Jesus plus. And Paul says, it's a simple, pure devotion. And yet I'm deeply concerned that you're, you're getting distracted. I'm deeply concerned, says Paul, that you have this soul drift, that you have a Jesus plus something in your life where you, you, you give him the lip service and you, you nod your head and you're like, woo, yay, Jesus. 
and you say you have the purity of devotion, and yet you're all lost in all these other activities and distractions. And Paul says, could you come back to a simple, pure devotion to Jesus? Or as Jesus said in the book of Revelation, would you return to your first love? Would you come and have an exclusive devotion with me? So if I may say it this way, it is a simple, but you are called to a simple and radical devotion. Yeah, it's simple in the sense that it's singular in focus, but do you realize that the devotion you're to have with Christ is to be radical? And when I use the word radical, I, I, I don't mean... I don't mean radical in the sense of like, let me just say it this way. It'll seem radical in this culture, but it should seem completely normal in the church. Because radical, what we would call radical Christianity or obsessed Christianity is normal Christianity. And yet that's not our culture today. And the average Christian today is not doing very well. The average Christian today is distracted. The average Christian today is not that radical. In fact, the average Christian today looks more like the world than it does look than they look like Jesus. That's not Christianity. Well, what's Christianity all about? Looking like him. Into our culture, that's going to seem radical. I, I, I don't know if you've read Acts recently, but uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, there's this great, there's this great statement. Uh, the, the early church is just exploding and the world is being just turned upside down and they grab this guy by the name of Jason and they bring him and they're, they're bringing the charge against Jason. And in Acts 17, verse 6, they look at him and they say, here's our problem with you. You are one of those guys that turned the world upside down. And if I was Jason, I would have been like, no, 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 we're turning it right side up. You know? <laughs> Because it is upside down. But do you realize in the, in the midst of culture, normal Christianity biblically is radical. Radi I mean, normal Christianity is obsessive. Uh, you look at a sports fanatic, and it is completely normal to deck yourself out with full body paint, signs, weird hats, screaming, jerseys. That's normal. And it's radical. Do you realize that what we call normal Christianity is actually not even Christianity anymore? Because normal Christianity turns the world upside down. Normal Christianity has Christ at the center. Normal Christianity is, has a simple but a radical devotion to Jesus Christ. Where all the chips are in. All the eggs are in one basket. There is this overwhelming pursuit, and it costs you everything. And you're willing to lay down absolutely everything, including life and limb, for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus Christ. That's normal Christianity. Would you somehow be willing to shift out of average, typical, and move into normal? And actually live the life of a Christian that's marked by holiness and righteousness and purity and truth and integrity. See, see, what if your life was marked by a simple but radical devotion to Christ? 
And you realize that this simple, the singularity of focus and this radical devotion will consume you. And it should get bigger and better because it's an exclusive but ever-expanding devotion to our God. And again, we've been using this circle image to talk about the fact that in the Shema, what Moses is telling the Israelites is that, okay, you're to give God your heart, which again is your mind and your will and your emotions, and you're to give him your soul, which is the entirety of your being, the physical and the inside stuff, and you're to give God all of your resource, all of your might and all of your talent and all of your ability. Can I ask you again, is that true? Not do we say it's true, is it true? If we were to somehow cut you down the middle and we were to look inside the very depths of your being, would we find Jesus as the consuming passion of your being? Would we find Jesus as your simple, radical devotion that is exclusive, you allow no other lovers in, but yet it's ever-expanding and it's consuming every aspect of your life? If you were to find someone that lived like that, do you know what we'd have to call him? Yeah, we'd have to call him a Christian, wouldn't we? We are called to love God with all that we are and all that we have. That is the calling on our lives. So is Jesus Lord over everything in your life? Is he truly Lord over everything, all that you are and all that you have? Or perhaps a different question, does he have first place in your daily activities, your thoughts, your words, your emotions, your relationships, your future goals? Is he the focus? Can I encourage you, just as Moses told the Israelites, just as Paul told the Corinthians, we are called to have an exclusive devotion with our God. It is to be an all-consuming devotion with him. Simple, because he is the priority. He is to have first place. He is to be preeminent. And yet it is to be radical. Not radical in the sense of, I mean, it should be normal in the church, but radical in the sense of the culture. Is that true in your life? If it is true, would you allow Jesus to kick this to a whole other level? And if it's not true, would you find yourself humbly at the cross and say, Lord, will you, will you do what is necessary in my life to bring about an obsessive, exclusive, ever-expanding devotion to you? Because that's what he's calling us to. Would you go after him? Would you give him everything? Would you not settle? Would you not look like the culture around you? Our generation needs this. Our world desperately needs to see this. And the only way you can truly produce this is you've got to get tight with Jesus. Because this is the only hope we have to live this thing out. Would you go after him? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do want you to be king and Lord over every area of our life. Lord, we do not want to give you lip service, but then have all these other lovers of our soul. Lord, what would it look like if we truly had an exclusive, radical, singular, obsessive relationship with you? 
Lord, could, could our devotion be so singular, so intense, so joy-filled that we don't need to, to look beyond you for satisfaction, for joy, for rest, for peace? Because we realize that in you is everything that we need for life and godliness. Lord, would you remove the distractions from our souls? Would you somehow put blinders upon our eyes where that which we are consumed with, that which we stare at, that which we delight in is you? Lord, I pray for those who have truly made you the center of their life. Could you somehow grow and expand and just continually reveal any area in our lives that are not fully given over to you? And would you just have this overwhelming, increasing consumption of our very beings? of all that we are and all that we have. And Lord, for those who have not truly surrendered in totality, Lord, through your Spirit, would you kindly put your finger, kindly but aggressively put your finger on any and every area of our lives where we come to the place of true surrender, true trust, true faith, true dependency, where we can abide in you in totality. Lord, could we today be 100% surrendered and 100% of the things that you reveal and just say, Lord, have at it. And Lord, I pray that we in the church would not merely give you lip service and say, woo, Jesus is king, and yet live as if you're not. Lord, would you be king? Would you remove all the other lovers of our soul? Lord, don't let our souls drift from the centrality of Christ. Lord, let us have what, as Paul said, a simple yet pure devotion to you. Let us have you as the first, the priority in our lives. Lord, be preeminent. And through that, Jesus, would you turn our world upside down? We need you. This culture desperately needs you. Lord, start with us. Start with your bride. Purify your body. And Lord, turn this world right side up. We do love you. Give you all the praise and the glory in your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.